Welcome to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Now here's your Lighthouse Council host. Hello and welcome to The Beacon Podcast of Lighthouse Council. I'm Martha Ross. I'll be your host. I'm a senior consultant at Lighthouse. And we'll have a discussion today with Mark Stanek, who is head of school at Shady Hill in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And we're going to talk today about the impact which COVID has had now on schools and operations and how they function and have changed and altered or stayed the same, perhaps. Mark is a just celebrated his 12 years as head of school at Shady Hill. No small achievement. Congratulations. So welcome, Mark. Thank you, Martha. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm excited to share with you some thoughts and reflections on how we are regrouping as we emerge from this pandemic. Great. Thank you. A little bit of background. As I said, Mark just celebrated his 12th anniversary at Shady Hill. He is the former head of school at Ethical Culture Fieldstone School in New York. Very interesting operation and difficult. He did a great job there. And he's the former middle school principal of Milton Academy in Massachusetts, who many of us in the Northeast know about. He's also the author of the second edition for NAIS of the Middle School Handbook. And he has been on several boards and led the Association of Independent Schools of New England for several years, among other operations. So full disclosure, I'm proud to tell you Mark is my nephew, and we have a very special relationship. Years ago, when I was head of a school in Nashville, Tennessee, he was trying to decide if he would make the shift to independent education from public education. And we spent lots of time and hours and visits, and I'm thrilled to say he took his Aunt Martha's advice and got into independent education. So thank you. I followed in your footsteps because you also served as head of school for many years. So thank Thank you for influencing and inspiring me. Thank you. We'll get right to it. I'm going to kind of try and stay in three strands. One is board and administration operations and the impact COVID and now the pandemic era has had on that. The second is program and services, and the third would be facilities, if there's any implication for that. So what's going on with board operations and head of school board and all of that and administrative team leadership since COVID? Yeah, that's a great question. I have found that many schools reacted differently throughout the pandemic, depending on, I would say, their bandwidth, their expertise and their ability to kind of respond quickly to the changing environment. So if we recall back in March of 2020, we were all given kind of the go home and stay at home for a week by our governor, Governor Baker at the time. And so we didn't know how long it would be. And so, you know, we had a faculty meeting and said tomorrow everyone's going to bring home their laptops and try to prepare for a week long of kind of working from home and teaching from home. As we know, that lasted much longer than a week. And so we needed to transition and pivot, as they said. And so all of our faculty, you know, we explored different formats, Google Classroom and Zoom, and how are we going to teach and take our pedagogy and transfer it to, you know, using technology and trying to reach our students at home. 
And I think for some schools, boards got more involved, right? They got more involved in helping either with the technology piece, helping with the health and safety piece. And as we learned after those three months, you know, we were successful, but it was not necessarily working, especially for our youngest children to try to be on a kindergartner, try to be on and learning from a screen was not ideal. And especially when their parents need to be right with them. So that was challenging. So we, as with other independent schools in the area, we were really committed to reopening in the fall of 2020, despite not knowing a lot about the COVID virus and still a lot of fear and anxiety. And so what I noticed is that some schools, like the boards got involved to help with that in terms of facilities, in terms of the protocols we were hearing from the Department of Health and the Department of Education here in Massachusetts, big, thick booklet, you know, constant updates by Zoom calls and trying to figure out what do we need. And here at Shady Hill, for example, we are very lucky to have 11 acre kind of outdoor commitment to education. And so we have 18 different buildings, but given the protocols of smaller size classes and having six feet apart and all of those different details that we needed to take into consideration, I was able to tell the board, listen, we have a really hardworking administrative team who's going to take this on and we'll come to you if we need further expertise. And so for my board, it was more at arm's length away. While at other schools, the boards kind of formed committees and got more involved in kind of the details and planning because there was limited bandwidth or support or resources at schools. So as we emerge from the pandemic, I think the question is like, what is the role of boards, right? For those boards that became more involved in the operations, how are they stepping back and how are they looking more strategically at their schools and emerging from this pandemic? We all know that we have seen studies on the impact on our students, social, emotional well-being, their academic kind of gaps that have happened. And how do we put forward more services, more support? And the board is really important in that because we need then more resources. And the board is thinking as fiduciary stewards of the school, like how do we respond to that need? And so boards have wanted to know like what, what's going on on the ground? What are you noticing from your students? What are you noticing from your faculty? And then how can we help financially with that as well? Certainly fundraising became a really important part of the board's work. It always is, but I think even more because we didn't budget for, for example, testing and how are we going to test every student and every employee each week to make sure that everyone was safe and we were catching if there was a positive case of COVID. So that alone and the facilities and having tents on campus and having to rethink lunch and, you know, all the little details cost a lot more money. And then we staffed up because we had smaller classes of 10 in a class or 12 in a class. And so we had to have multiple sections. All of that took on a life of its own in order to reopen. And boards were really helpful to help us fundraise to close the gap between the tuition and what we had in addition to that, that we needed to have for resources and to keep our communities safe. So I think the boards were really important. Our board was super supportive. We met through Zoom all along. Committees met through Zoom. So that was really interesting. And some, I would say, kind of the residual of that is some committees have found it to be actually better for their mission and for their committee members to access and be present to do more Zoom meetings. And oh. that has continued. I think our board has been able to pivot 
and work more strategically. And even throughout the pandemic, you know, we took on a task force. We were reviewing our financial aid strategic goals. And so it allowed our board to continue that work while still monitoring and helping and supporting in ways that were needed throughout the three years. Okay. Thank you. Wow. It's a lot. It, you forget because you were 540 or 50 students, aren't you, with 18 yeah. buildings? That's a lot to handle. Yeah. So we're 540 students. We've kind of reset to about 521 now. But uh, yeah, and so there was a lot of rethinking of spaces. We had our science classes out in tents for a year, even in the winter and cold. And so how were we going to do that with supplies and with the, the needs to, to conduct those classes? So yeah, we converted every little space on campus. And that, that took a lot of resources and time to think creatively. So the tents are gone now and you're back to kind of relatively normal operations. Do I take that? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And we are happy to be that way. We've also, I think one of the hard parts was connectivity with the community because yes, you can connect through computers like this and through Zoom, but it's not the same thing of being in person. And so for our assemblies and our special events, everything was done on Zoom, but like I'm just coming from our lower school assembly this morning, which happens every Friday be able to sing together, to be able to share and celebrate together. Our fourth graders did their poetry presentation. So those kinds of things were much harder in yeah. terms of using Zoom. And it just feels great to be back together as a community and do that community building together. Great. And from a fund development, you, you mentioned that before, from a fund development point of view, has it have you been able to sustain your needs and our parents, are they operating differently? And is your fund development program operating differently or is it still the same or how's that working? I'll just say that I was so impressed about how our community really stepped up and stretched. We had to really close, I would say, almost a $500,000 gap in, um, in fundraising in order to help us meet the needs that were going on and our community stepped up and everyone stretched and made it happen. And we were able to close that gap and meet the needs. And I think that what I think we heard from families, they were so grateful that our school was open because many schools were not open and to be able to learn in person. And I think the follow-up now is how do we continue to motivate our donors and parents to continue to give at that level. Some certainly stretched and kind of tapered off to kind of a more sustainable giving and others have continued that level. And we have also um, looked at continuing to fund for our socioeconomic diversity and financial aid and, and certainly looking to rebuild relationships with those donors and meetings in person and also gatherings in person and celebrations. I was going to say that has Zoom entered the world of fund development there? I mean, do you have Zoom parties or Zoom? So it's funny that you say that. So we have usually a few gatherings as a community to celebrate and whether it's to kick off the annual fund each year, or whether it's to celebrate evening of appreciation, those who have given to the annual fund. And so we did try to do that on Zoom. It wasn't the same thing. You know, we actually explored with some other software. Um, Slack and some other things to try to connect people. And again, thing to try, but it wasn't the same thing of being on campus and being in person and, and being able to connect and, and be with one another. You can't beat that personal one-on-one -on -one or one-on-one. Right. Yeah, great. Okay, and then, so it sounds like you're kind of back to semi-normal. Is there anything that's been happening in either operations or facilities or relationships 
that has changed and will now be a part of your operations as a result of COVID? Yeah, so I'll just say that, you know, certainly we have been focusing on our students and our student needs. And so we've seen an increased need around learning support and then socially, social emotional support. So we moved from a full-time kind of counselor to now two full-time counselors or psychologists to support the needs of our students and the faculty who are supporting them. So we have one in the lower school, one in the middle school. Then they are going into classrooms and actually teaching explicitly some social skills and how do we get along? Because we know that young people, children, actually need to practice, right? And they weren't given that opportunity during these two years or two and a half years to actually play together. They were told, sit in a chair, wear a mask, don't turn to anyone, don't touch anyone. And then when they went outside, again, they had to kind of play in a way that was very different than they were used to. So they didn't get the practice of social skills. And so now they're trying to relearn those. And so we're finding that we need to be much more explicit. Like, how do you play at recess? How do you navigate a conflict? How do you share? How do you use your voice and speak from the eye perspective when you're unhappy with something that's going on with a friend? So we are being much more explicit and going back and those skills that were really lost and missed and not practiced during that time period. And the second thing is the learning support. So we developed a a new learning lab in our middle school, which now I would say almost half of our students stop in throughout the day for support. And we have two part-time learning specialists who are equipped to help support kids who may be struggling in a particular area, may need some extra practice. They coordinate with students' teachers and are also available during study hall. And so that kind of new learning lab is a new facility, kind of new space that we created in our middle school to help foster the sense of initiative and advocacy for students to take in the middle school and to be able to have a space where they can also go and ask questions and work with a specialist. Great. Wow. So if you could kind of think of the whole thing, and we continue in the era of pandemics, unfortunately, but it's probably here to stay. What was your, what would be your kind of number one takeaway about all of this? What did you learn? What was the lesson, the great lesson over that the head of school learned along with everybody else? I'll just say that as a community, it was really challenging because technology does not replace, as I mentioned before, kind of the in-person connection and relationship building that happens and the skills that are practiced, but also the sense of fostering community that can happen at a certain superficial level with technology, but not at a real deep level of connectivity that has impact. The other thing I'll say is that as a school that is very process oriented and relational and collaborative, it was hard at times to be collaborative because we needed to make decisions quickly, whether we were gonna mask or not mask, whether we were gonna test, whether we were gonna, when somebody did test positive, how we were gonna react. And I think that that was really hard for our community because We're used to discussing and processing together before kind of moving forward. And we had to be much more nimble and quicker to make decisions. And sometimes those were top down in a way that didn't feel good for the community. So I think there's some repair that we're doing around community building, relationship building, as well as getting like faculty and parents back involved with the school and not necessarily making decisions, but giving input and feeling a part of the community. So our strategic planning process right now, we just hosted last month, think tanks that invited all the constituents to come in and share their thoughts on the school and those kinds of gatherings to rebuild connection, to 
to listen to hear from one another and build trust, yeah, are really important. And schools need to think about how they're doing that because it's not going back to pre-COVID. It's really a new normal. And we need to figure out how do we come together as a community and move forward. Oh, thank you. I thank you for taking this time. I know it's a very busy week for you. And it's been great to listen and, and learn from you. You can all find Mark on the LinkedIn. This podcast will be up in about a week or so. And you can also find about, if you click the About Us, that's where you'll find it. So thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. And I enjoyed speaking with you, Martha. See you soon. Thanks for listening to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Tune in every week for nonprofit topics with special guest interviews. Suggest future topics and learn more about upcoming podcast and guest at lighthousecouncil.com.